0: You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Hey, friends! I want to thank you for joining Real Relationship Talk today for this very special episode on what happens when your marriage vision dies. I want to just give you a little bit of a disclaimer. You'll hear me talking in the intro about how my microphone died literally minutes before I went to hit record. And so I just have to let you know that you are going to hear some static in the line. We tried to get that out in post-production and we were unable to get it all out. So I don't want you to turn it off just because you might hear a little bit of static and I don't want you to think that your car is about to blow up either. It's not your car. It's not you. It's me. So hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, friends. It's Dana Shea. And thank you so much for listening to Real Relationship Talk today. I am really, um, really full right now, you all, of this message that I'm going to be sharing today. This is going to be a little bit of a different kind of podcast that you're listening to. If you have been joining us for the last several episodes, you know that we have been talking about vision over the last several weeks. And specifically, we've been talking about the vision that pertains to your marriage. And today we are going to talk about what happens when that vision dies. Ladies, are you tired of just surviving marriage and are ready to thrive in marriage? If so, I want to invite you to join my next group coaching session called Thrive Wives, formerly called Wife Life. Experience the very best of the coaching world as you glean from the wisdom of me as your main coach, plus a supportive team of women in similar stages of marriage. During our bi-weekly group sessions, you'll receive encouragement and support on real-life marriage issues and participate in real-talk discussions on topics like communication, boundaries, sex, mommy issues, self-care, and so much more. Ladies, get in on this. Applications are open now at danashay.com forward slash thrivewives. That's D A N A C H E dot com forward slash thrivewives. Thrivewives is open to all married and engaged women, but to keep our group as interactive and safe as possible, I'm limiting it to 12 women. So be sure to apply today at danashay.com forward slash thrivewives. Now back to our show. What happens when your marriage dies? And for some of you, maybe you're listening to this podcast and you are not married. I'm going to also be referring to you, what happens when the dream that you had for your life or the vision that you were so tethered to, what happens when that dies? And I thought it was very interesting that just before hitting record on this podcast episode, my handy dandy trusty microphone died. Literally, it just died. I mean, it wouldn't turn on. I was trying different things. And then I actually unhooked it. And I was looking at the little pieces that, you know, you hook like the USB into. And those pieces were bent. And I was like, oh, Lord, like the whole microphone is not going to work. And so I just thought, how fitting, as we're talking about the death of a vision or the death of a dream, that one of the tools that has helped me to fulfill my dream of doing this podcast has died. So I just took that as God's little wink to me that I am right on task with this message today. So if you do not know this about me, I am a pastor. And um, obviously, all of the the knowledge and the wisdom and the guests that we have on this podcast we are all trying to help you all to thrive in your marriages. And as a pastor, it is my absolute privilege to be able to minister to the folks that God has given me um, in our church to help them to thrive in their lives. And so if you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to stay for this podcast. You might hear some some things that are unfamiliar, um, but I really believe that your heart is going to be encouraged by the end of this message today. And um, it's it's just so impactful as I was reading over the story that I'm going to be sharing with you all. So many things God was revealing to me about my own life and my own journey. And so I'm just going to unpack a little bit of that with you all today. And um, and again, and I pray that you walk away from this episode just feeling full of hope, feeling full of faith, maybe having your faith recharged or renewed and absolutely encouraged. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, I'm going to actually be reading out of the Bible today. So if you have a Bible, um, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Luke chapter 8. And I know that many of you listen to this podcast in your car or in your shower, or maybe you're at work and you don't have a Bible. That's okay, because I'm actually going to be reading this to you. So let's go ahead and just jump right in Luke chapter eight. And you can also find this uh, parable, this story, actually, it's not a parable. It was a real story that happened. You can find this in the book of Mark as well. So Luke 48 or Luke 8, 41, it says, then a man named Jairus a leader of the local synagogue came and fell at Jesus's feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. And then it talks about a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She was healed in this moment. I'm not going to get into the whole story of her healing. That's an incredible message for another time. Let's skip on down. Uh, Let's see. Let's skip on down to verse forty. 9 So while Jesus was still speaking to her meaning the woman who was suffering from the the bleeding uh, while Jesus was still speaking to her a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus the leader of the synagogue and told him your daughter is dead there's no use in troubling the teacher now verse 50 says but when Jesus heard what had happened he said to Jairus do not be afraid just have faith and she will be healed I just want to pause right there and encourage some of you listening today to not be afraid. Only believe. Only have faith. Let's keep going. Verse 51. When they entered the house, Jesus would not let anyone go in with him except for Peter, James, and John and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She is only asleep. But the crowds laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. At that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. And that. Why he told them not to tell anyone is an entire other message. Basically, it was not his time to reveal himself as the savior of the world. So friends, I want to really folks focus on a lot of the truths that come out of this passage. You might be wondering, why is she talking about a little girl dying in this story? How does that apply to my marriage? Oh, friends, there's so, so much application here. And so, I want to just first and foremost say to those of you who are, are married and your marriages are struggling and you're thinking my marriage is dying or maybe my marriage has died, I want to just encourage you to take a deep breath and hold on for a second. Because a lot of times, what we proclaim, what we say is the gospel truth, like this thing is over, it's dead, it's done, that's not necessarily the truth. Just like Jairus's or Jairus's servant told him that she was dead. It looked like she was dead. All the evidence was pointing to the fact that this little girl had died, but that was not the truth. That was not the end of her story. And some of you need to hear that, that what you're going through right now is not the end of your story. I could have given up when my microphone died, right? And if you're watching this on YouTube, you see that I'm talking in an external microphone. I'm not using my computer microphone or the audio would sound like trash. But what did I do? I had to pivot. I had to realize that I'm not just going to stop because my microphone died. That's not the end of the story for this podcast episode. There was another microphone that I had. Lo and behold, the very first microphone that I ever bought for this podcast. I thought about throwing it away a long time ago. And I thought, you know, maybe I should keep that just in case. And thank God I did, because here we are today. So I just want to give you some insights into this story. First and foremost, the name Jairus, I think, is so interesting in the definition and what that name means. The name Jairus means God enlightens. And I believe that today, God has led you to this podcast episode. Maybe you've never listened to Real Relationship Talk before, or maybe you are an infrequent listener, or maybe you thought, you know, I'm going to listen to that episode later. But for whatever reason, you were drawn back to listen to this one today. I believe that God wants to enlighten you today with a fresh word of knowledge, with some new hope, some new revelation, some new understanding. And so be enlightened as you listen. Uh, to the rest of this episode. So a few things that we learned from this story. Number one, when Jairus had approached Jesus, it said that there was a crowd of people all around Jesus. Now this was very typical. Jesus was gaining popularity at this time and he was doing many miracles. And so he was starting to become famous and people wanted to be be around him all the time. And so here he is surrounded by this crowd of people and he was on his way to Jairus' house when he was interrupted by somebody else. Another woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, she kind of stopped the program and Jesus attended to her needs. And some of you might feel like maybe you have prayed, maybe you have quote, approached Jesus and asked him for healing, for him to rescue you, for him to save your marriage, to save your relationship, to revive your dream or your vision, and it seems like he's helping everybody else. But what about me? What about me? And Jesus goes on and he heals this woman meanwhile, Jairus's daughter which was the original reason for this story, she dies. And some of you might be thinking, you know what? God doesn't care about me. I've prayed about my marriage and God is not answering. Friend, I understand that because I felt that way. For years and years and years, I would pray that God would restore my marriage, that he would heal my marriage, that he would um, allow me to forgive, that he would cause my husband to repent, all of these things. And for years, I would watch other marriages be restored, other couples growing closer together. I would see people getting married You know, and I felt forgotten, and I felt like, God, why aren't you hearing me? Why aren't you answering me? And what Jesus says to Jairus is, Do not be afraid. Oh, if I could tell you that today, friend, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of what's on the other side. Don't be afraid of what if it doesn't work out. Don't be afraid of what if I get divorced. Don't be afraid of what will people think of me. Don't be afraid. That second part is only have faith. You can't have faith if you're controlled by fear. Now, notice I did not say that you can't have faith and fear because those two can coexist. I am a living witness. And maybe you are too. That There are other areas in your life where you're afraid, but you also have faith. Well, do the same thing here in your marriage. You can have some fear. But you can choose to walk in faith in spite of your fear. So Jesus tells Jairus, don't worry about whatever you think is happening right now. Do not be afraid. Only have faith. What does it mean to have faith? Because we throw that word faith around so much. And I'm not convinced that everyone even knows what that word means. What does it mean to you when you say, I'm going to just have faith for that? Because here's the truth. We all operate by faith. Do you know that when you got in your car to drive to work today or when you um, woke up this morning and you walked down your stairs or whatever you did today, you had faith that those stairs were going to hold you up. You didn't inspect it. When you got in your car, you probably didn't do a walk around to make sure that everything was in place. You probably didn't pop your hood to make sure that your engine was still there. You got in your car believing that you were going to make it to your destination without even thinking about it. You see, we operate in faith all the time. We just don't realize it. But then when it comes to our marriages and God tells us to have faith, we're like, I can't, I can't, I can't. But you can. Faith, the Bible says, is the substance of things hoped for it's the evidence of things not seen. That means it's literally the substance. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see me like touching things, right? It's, it's tangible. Even though you can't see it with your natural eyes, it's the evidence of what you believe. You might not see it today, but you believe it so strongly. It's going to happen. It's already done in your mind. That's the kind of faith that God wants us to have. That's the kind of faith that pleases God. And that kind of faith is hard, y'all. It is really hard to believe for what you can't see. It's really hard to believe that your marriage is going to prosper when all you see is pain and heartache and betrayal and lack of trust and lies. It's so difficult to believe God and those seasons. But I believe today that God is saying to you, do not fear. Only have faith. And then Jesus says, "She will be healed." Jesus didn't say, "You know what? Well, um, I I think I might be able to heal her." You know, I've been I've been doing some miracles lately, and um, you know, I've been getting really good at this miracle stuff. I mean, just the other day, I opened the eyes of this blind man, and and um, I, I raised this lame man up, and and I think I might be able to heal your daughter. No, 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 no. Jesus says she will be healed. He declared what he believed, and for us. We have to do the same thing. Your words have so much power. I tell my kids this all the time. I am super, super careful of what I allowed them to say. And I will cut them off if they start that negative stinking thinking. I will say, "Uh uh-uh, we do not speak like that. And I'm not talking about curse words. I'm talking about when they say limiting beliefs, when they make declarations that are not in alignment with what we are believing God for for their future. We don't speak like that because we understand that words create worlds. The Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so what are you declaring? Are you going around saying my marriage sucks? My marriage is bad. I made a mistake. I can't believe I got married to this person. I wish I weren't married. Um, This is not going to last. I mean, what are you speaking? What are you declaring? If you have been declaring things like that, it's time for you to change your words. It's time for you to begin to declare what you're hoping for. My marriage is going to make it. God is going to do a work in my marriage. My husband will come back. My wife will come back. My husband will begin to respect me again. My wife will begin to respect me again. I will begin to respect my spouse again. I will fall in love again. We will be one again. Whatever it is, you need to begin to make some declarations. Just like Jesus did. He said, your daughter will be healed. Period. End of discussion. And that's what we need to do. That is faith and action. See, it's one thing for us to just believe for the best and be like, yeah, you know, I really hope in the sweet buy and by." No, 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 no. Like we have to begin to say, I'm going to speak in alignment with what I am hoping for, with what I'm believing for. If you're in the business world at all, you know this. You know that in order for you to launch a new product or a new service or in order for you to have clients or customers, you can't be looking all around at all the things that you don't have. You have to look at your vision, which is why we've been talking about this for so many weeks. You have to look at your plan and then you have to start making preparation for what you expect. The same thing is true in marriage. The same thing is true in relationships. What are you declaring? So the next thing that Jesus did, which I thought was really interesting, is the Bible says that he told everybody to get out or he wouldn't allow anyone to come into the house except for Peter, James, John, which were like his three besties and this little girl's parents. What does that tell us? Number one, you need to get people out of your business get people out of your house. Some of y'all have your best friend, your auntie, your your next door neighbor, your pastor's wife, the prayer minister. I mean, you have so many people in your marriage and you're wondering why you all aren't making any headway. Now, what I am not saying is that you don't need to have people praying for you and supporting and encouraging you because we all need that. But some of you, you need to kick some people out of your home, maybe Literally, maybe you literally have people in your home that you need to get out, not your children, okay, but like other folks, your friend who's always just kind of hanging around the house all the time and you and your husband or you and your wife, you can't get any real quality time because your friend is always there. Get her out, get him out, okay, especially during this time of you rebuilding your marriage. For some of you, maybe that person is not physically in your home, but again, maybe you're on social media all the time looking at all these other relationships and you're getting all these ideas about how your marriage sucks so bad compared to all these relationships that you're seeing online that may or may not be real. You need to get them out of your mind. So ask yourself, who do I need to get out of my house? Who do I need to say, you know what, I appreciate your support, I appreciate your concern, but I'm going to need to limit the information that I'm sharing with you from now on. My husband and I, my wife and I, we've got some things to attend to that only us, only the two of us need to know about. Some of your parents are way too involved in your marriages. You have to be discerning of that. You have to determine who needs to get out, who's speaking death over my marriage instead of life. Who's putting down my spouse all the time or triggering me? Every time I get around this person, I'm always thinking negatively about my spouse. Those are the folks that you need to get out of your marriage. If you um, have ever downloaded my, I have a free resource on my website, danashay.com forward slash seven things. The number seven, the word things, T-H-I-N-G-S. If you download that, that is a free audio that I make available to everybody who comes to my website. And it's the seven secrets to a happy marriage. And one of those things is this very point. Get people out of your marriage. This audio is directed at newer marriages, but I would say this to every marriage. Some of y'all have too many people in your business and it's time to give them their eviction notice. All right. So after Jesus kicks everybody out, then he says to her family, she's not dead. She's only asleep. Now, this was kind of crazy because the little girl was literally dead on the bed, okay? Why did Jesus say she's not dead? She's only asleep. She literally was dead. The reason that he did that is because what we see in the natural is not what Jesus sees in the supernatural. Jesus saw a temporary situation where her parents saw a permanent situation. You might be looking at your marriage right now like, yep, there it is, dead on the bed. I see it. And Jesus is like, don't worry about that. You guys are just going through a a rocky time right now. Your marriage isn't dead. Whose whose word are you going to believe? Yours or his? Now, interestingly, when he says this, the Bible goes on to talk about, then the people start laughing. The same folks who were weeping and wailing. This is how fickle people are. You're weeping and wailing one minute and you're cracking up hysterical the next minute. This is just another reason why you need to limit who is actually in your innermost circle, who's speaking into your marriage, because people can be very fickle. People love you one day and they don't talk to you the next day. People love your spouse one day. They can't stand them the next day. So when Jesus said she is not dead, she is only asleep, it wasn't that he was out of his mind or that he was denying reality, but that he knew the power that he had within himself to raise this little girl from the dead. And Jesus is saying to you, friend, today, that what you think is a permanent situation is a temporary situation. He has the power to revive and to resurrect even the deadest of marriages. And I'm going to tell you what, I am a living witness of this. My marriage was dead. Capital D exclamation point. But God. And honestly, y'all, I shudder sometimes to think if I would have just given up. And listen, I listen, listen, I understand some of you are listening right now and you're already divorced or your marriage is so toxic and violent and unhealthy and unsafe. I am not saying to any of you to stay in those situations. There are times when death comes. And guess what? Newsflash, even though Jesus did raise this little girl from the dead, she eventually died again and there was no resurrection. And so for some of you, your marriages are dead, not because you don't have faith, not because God can't heal, but because there is so much um, betrayal or so much um, toxicity that that marriage is no longer able to live. And I have so much compassion and and I just want you to know that there is so much grace for you if you are in that situation, but many of you are not there yet. Many of you are just becoming tired and weary and you're the ones that I'm speaking to today to say, do not give up. Do not cast your marriage aside because you all are having conflict. Or because you all aren't quote in love anymore, or because my goodness, you think that there's somebody out there that's better than your spouse. So after Jesus tells them, to um, he te- he tells them that things aren't as bad as they seem. We know that the crowd starts laughing. Then the Bible says that Jesus takes the little girl by the hand and he lifts her up. He raises her back to life. And for many of you listening today, I believe that God has his hand outstretched to you saying, will you trust me? Will you put your marriage in my hands? Will you allow me to lift you up again and to raise you up again and to restore what has been broken? That takes faith. It takes trust. But I'm a living witness that God is faithful and again is that does that mean that he's going to heal everybody's marriage no because there were people in the bible as jesus lived who died there are some marriages that will die and i don't know which marriages those are but one thing i do know is that unless you have done everything that you can do you are not at the point of accepting defeat so i hope that this message today has encouraged and inspired You, maybe you just need a fresh wind. Maybe you need to sit down and rest for a minute. Don't give up, friend. It's not the end. It's not the end for you. You still have life in your marriage. This little girl was only 12 years old. She still had a lot of life ahead of her. And for some of you, whether you've been married for 12 years, 2 years, or 22 years, you still have a lot of life ahead of you. So what do you do when your marriage vision dies? You believe that God is able to resurrect it again. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message has brought you hope and brought you faith. You can find the show notes to today's podcast. I was going to say today's sermon because I felt like I preached. But you can find the show notes to today's uh, podcast episode at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 128. And again, for any of the podcast episodes, you can always find them on my website, realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash whatever that episode is. So you all remember this. A good relationship is not one that works. It's one where you put in the work. Let's get to work. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Becca Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.